Hey, welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm glad to be here with you guys today. And I'm sitting here with my buddy, virtually sitting here with my buddy, Peter. Peter, what are you up to today? Hey, how's it going, guys? Great to be with you all today. Uh, really looking forward to today's conversation with my campus minister, One Link partner, Eddie Gilly. We're super excited to be with him, and we're going to talk with him some about a variety of topics, uh, everything from building a mission culture to some of his views on recruiting staff and how he works with those. And it's just going to be a great episode. Jump in with Eddie. All right, Eddie, I'm so glad to have you with us. Uh, Tell us, give us a little history about yourself. Well, I'm glad to be here. I grew up in Alabama. Um, I, I came to know Jesus as my Savior when I was 16 through a fellowship of Christian athletes camp. Okay. About a year and a half after that, I felt on a mission trip that I was on, sharing the gospel with uh, some students down in Merritt Island, Florida, helping them, a kind of a peer ministry of helping them learn how to do Bible study and scripture memory and our youth minister had developed. And so at the end of that week, just really sensed the Lord saying, this is what I want you to do the rest of your life. And so I had no idea what that meant, but I told him, and then we shared it with the church. And then I thought I would one day be a pastor somewhere and went to seminary, went to college with seminary and just found, uh, fell in love with doing youth ministry and working with young adults and a church in Gainesville, Florida, found my resume through Georgia Baptist convention. And I came to Westside Baptist in 1987 as their youth and college pastor. God blessed it, and uh, we grew on both sides of that to a point in about a year and a half where I had to make a decision of which one I wanted to do. And so in about two years' time, I became just a college pastor, and I was that for six months. And then our pastor decided I need more to do, so I was the senior associate on staff, and I, I did that for another four years. And then the opportunity to come work for the Florida Baptist Convention opened up to be a Baptist campus minister at the University of South Florida. So I did that for seven years and then was able to come back to Gainesville in 2002. So I've been back in Gainesville a long time. Yeah. So that's, I mean, 20, 21 years and then another seven. So you got about nearly 30 years in the campus ministry game. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Just and on then the campus another, side. Yeah. And, another and then another. Yeah. working directly with students. So yeah, yeah, almost, uh, uh, almost, well, actually 40 years of working with them. Cause even when I was in seminary, I was working with college and, and youth. So yeah, that's awesome. Two thirds of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was, well, give me just a little history of just of the, the UFBCM. What was it like when you came? How have you seen it change kind of over the years? Yeah. Well, UF has changed a lot in the in the sense of the makeup of the students when we first got here in 87 then we came back in 2002 uh even it was still the same way in that it was a true land-grant university for the state i mean if you wanted to get in you pretty much got in to uf over the last 15 years that has changed so that's not the case anymore it's uh, much more akin to an ivy league or an elite educational school in its approach to who they let in. So the students have changed, which means, you know, we used to have to tell students to get out of the BCM and go to class to meet law students. And now we have to tell them, get out of your books and get out of the library and go meet law students. So it's still the same needs, but just a different way of getting them from 
point A to point B. What about just the history of missions, your interest in the nations? Uh, how has that grown and changed over your tenure there? Well, I think it 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 goes back to I guess that first you know experience of really coming to to faith in a an environment that wasn't a local church setting necessarily, but through the <laughs> ministry of a local church, and then uh, hearing God's call on my life on a mission trip, even though it was inside the states, but that that opportunity of going and and the thought of going and, and telling somebody else about the gospel was always a part of of our church when I was growing up. When I got to seminary, a lot of my, you know, when I was, well, when I was in college, one of my professors had been a missionary with the IMB in Nigeria, had started the, the seminary in Nigeria. So we heard all the stories and uh, Dr. Cooley was just one of the real influencers of my life at that age came to my wedding, found out 40 years later when almost when I came to, to work here, 30 years later, whatever that was, that he was a graduate of UF huh. and his wife was a graduate of UF and I didn't even know it. And so we reconnected then. And so that, that sense of mission has always been there. But I think the sort of the real focusing of that was when I was on staff at Westside our pastor had a heart for missions. And so it was always at the forefront of what we were doing with uh, short-term trips, supporting missionaries, having mission fest before that was a thing. And anybody else did, we, we had it at our church where the missionaries would come and we would eat with them and share with them and live with them for a week and hear what they did. And, and so that just finding ways to get students involved in that and then started planning short-term trips with students then getting them involved with, at that time when I was on staff at the church, getting them involved with our state BCMs at that time was doing what a lot of state BCMs did, which was claim IMB trips and then field that team from all around the state. So getting our students on board with that. And um, I don't know where it came from. I, I'm, I'm 100% certain it's not original with me, but We've always had the idea that if you can get a college student to spend two weeks outside of the United States in a cross-cultural environment sharing the gospel, they will never be the same. And so that's been our goal from way back and still remains was my goal at USF and has been my goal at UF. Uh, and we state that often to our students because we really do believe that they, God may not call you to spend the rest of your life in missions, but you will always be an advocate for missions and missionaries and love for them and support them if you will go. So at the beginning of your of your tour there at UF, you're sending more two-week teams, three-week teams, like shorter term? Yeah, yeah, a lot of short-term trips, one week, uh, you know, spring break trips going someplace, 10-day uh, trips during the breaks between summer A and summer B. And at that point, we still were doing the state model of putting teams together. So getting our students on teams that would spend summer missions, as it was called back then. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. They would spend all summer in different locations around the world. Gotcha. That's great. Now, what about OneLink? When, how did you get connected to OneLink? How has that affected well, and guess, changed the culture of your uh, We got involved with OneLink when Kurt Shiver joined our ministry partner team about six, seven years ago. Uh, and then 
Uh, from that, we found out about the training that OneLink did. And so we sent some of our teams out there one year uh, to the OneLink training. And while it didn't quite work in that format with us, we talked to them about it and, and said, okay, if we can tweak this, we'd really love for you guys to do that training for us and help us with some mobilization. We already had the partnerships. We already knew where we wanted to go. We already knew had the relationships there. But having mm -hmm. one link do the training was one thing that I didn't have to do when I didn't have enough staff or didn't have enough time to really be able to do that. So it made a <laughs> it made a huge difference in our teams, and uh, and so then that developed into one of our ministry partners uh, going to work with one link part time, part time with them, part time with us, and Peter joining that with one time with them, part time with them, and part time with us, and so. Uh, it's been a really beneficial partnership for us as a BCM. Right uh, hopefully it's been beneficial for OneLink, but we yeah. only know our side. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll speak for OneLink that we're super glad that you're a, you're a part of the, a part of us and that we're a part of you. How has been the difference of like sending a team that's all coming from UF, one of your partners, as opposed to like, you know, you send some students to the state and then they may go on different trips. How how has that affected your ministry or yeah the BCM there the culture of 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 a heart for the nations the culture of going how has that changed? Yeah, I don't know if it's changed the culture of us going or the heart for going, but what it has done is it has allowed us to sort of control what we do and how we do it and to be able to do a better job of getting our team ready to go. We've had, we've had a couple of teams that have had other people go with us. And sometimes that works really well. And sometimes it doesn't because they don't have the same heartbeat and the same understanding sometimes that even though they're great kids and from great schools uh, and great ministries, it's just a different thought process than the students who have been here with us for two semesters or two years or four years or whatever that is, the length of time, and uh, knows sort of that day-to-day -day interaction with the team makes a difference because when they go, they're a bit closer. They've lived with enough conflict with each other that they at least have a general idea how to handle that. But when you get somebody from outside, you can have a great team or you can have a team that's dysfunctional and you don't know it until you hit the field. Yeah. And... I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I would say that the teaming aspect is probably one of the biggest things that determines whether someone had a good summer or not. It's often, it's not the hardships on the field or the crazy things you run into there as much as it is the interpersonal team dynamics or the dynamics with the overseas partner. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you got to do, you're going to, you're going to run into some crazy things that happen and you're going to run into some hardships that are going to come. That's just, that's, the nature of doing ministry in a different culture. But if your team dynamics are off, that makes it miserable. Mm -hmm. And if you can get ahead of that and, and sort of see some of that at the beginning, then you can find different ways to work with your team leaders to be able to manage that. It doesn't mean it's going to go away, but at least you can get some practice at resolving those conflicts in a, a peaceful environment as opposed sure. to a stressful environment. And mm -hmm. when you're sending team leaders that, you know, may or may not have much experience. I mean, honestly, we send teams sometimes right. that 
the team leader hasn't really been on a trip outside the country. And so everybody's sort of learning that as they go. And if they are among friends and they are among people that they love and trust and developed a good relationship with, then they feel a little bit easier to make a mistake and not feel the pressure to have to be perfect and make everything correct for everybody. And when you get on the field and you have a conflict of personalities, they have no one to really turn to. And if the conflict is with the mission partners, then they really don't have anybody to talk to. And that becomes a long distance mentoring, which has been done (laughs) and, and can be done, but isn't the ideal thing. The more ideal thing is to begin to teach them how to manage that while they're here for that semester before they leave together. Yeah. But I can certainly see where our students who are on the teams have a greater sense of uh, cohesiveness maybe than with each other than they do with other people on core team, leadership team, or even with us. I mean, they they share stories among themselves that we will never know. Um, And that's a good thing. We don't need to know them all. So Peter told me that there's a guy named Craig that came kind of into your network that seemed to have a, a big influence. Tell me a little bit about him. How'd, how'd you connect with him? Um, how do you guys work together? Well, even before, even before Craig, I mean, I'll tell you the, the Craig story, but even before Craig, there was a former IMB missionary uh, named David who came and they, they were coming back to the States. His wife was going to go back to PA school because they realized in many places where they were, the lack of medical care was critical. And so they, they spent their stateside year with us. And then she got into PA school here. And so for the next 12 years, he was on our staff as an associate, which that meant, you know, we had a ready-made resource for missions and mission involvement that was there. And then about four years after probably four or five years after David had been here, got a, an email from, from Craig and said, hey, my wife and I are former missionaries with IMB. We are currently working in Indiana at a university and really feel like we need to to, to go somewhere else, feel like God has called us to go somewhere else. And we want to just come by and meet you. And we really have a heart for international students. We were like, well, we really have a heart for international students too. We don't have time to do it. And so, um, they came to visit and then he, he called me and he said, well, we're between you and Purdue. And I said, well, Purdue's a great campus and I'm sure they're producing great leaders, but UF's a top five school. So if you want to change the world, come to UF and he, he bought it. And so he, <laughs> so they showed up and, um, uh, has, has been really helpful and, uh, establishing some discipleship stuff and really the missions and international uh, ministry has flourished because of that. So in one sense, the world comes to us and then the other sense we go to the world, but either way, you can't ignore the international students on your campus and okay. say you have a heart for the nations when the nations are coming to you and you don't do anything. Yeah. So is he actually on your staff or is he like a separate ministry that well, no, all of our staff, this... same, yeah, all of our, we don't have any other staff. It's just me, right? Okay. So, so I'm the only person that is on the BCM staff. 
Okay. Uh, the rest of the people who work with me are all ministry partners who raise okay. their own support. Basically. Goes through the North American Mission Board, paid out through a local church, and they're technically on the staff of that local church, which assigns them to the BCM to yeah. do their ministry. Okay. Well, it's I, a unique partnership in some ways. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that, especially being like the only guy. Like, how how have you been able to get more people to jump in and do that? Because um, you know that's a big ask for somebody. Hey, would like to would like you to have a job and would like you to support yourself. Well, they're actually especially, most of them are raising raising their own support. Yeah, 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 they're raising their own support. So how I'm assuming when you started, you probably didn't have as many. No. How have how have you grown that and got them got them buy in? And then how has that changed? change the ministry oh, Peter's smiling because I, I have never asked a single one of them uh-huh. probably 12 years ago God and I had a conversation and I realized that I at that point I was approaching 50 and I'm like I God I can't keep doing this right I don't I don't have the energy to keep up with college students and I certainly don't want to stay up all hours and so God, over the period of a couple of weeks of just really contemplating how that would look, I said, okay, what if you had somebody who was, at that point I was in my 50s, so he said, what if you had somebody who was in their 40s, and what if you had somebody who was in their 30s, and what if you had somebody who was in their late 20s, and what if you had some people that were near peers that just graduated who could hang out with them in their dorms until 2 a.m. and not look like the weirdo on campus? and share the gospel with students and walk up to them and not be the strange old dude where they're calling campus police on you. And so I just said, okay, God, if that's what you want, then okay, let's, we'll try to find a way to make that happen. So we started talking to alumni and started raising funds and David was with us. And at that point he was actually a paid administrative assistant. Well, then we had new leadership come in the state and those paid administrative assistants left. And so instead David just volunteered with us, his, yeah, then his wife and become a PA and she was working in the States. And so he could, he could afford to volunteer. Yeah. So he did. So that was the first one. And then Craig, when Craig said, Hey, we're self-funded, we, we already have our own support network. And so it won't cost you anything. And so then Craig joined our staff. Okay. And then a couple of years later, I think I'll get this right. I might get the order out wrong, but a couple of years later, I was at a conference at our church at Northwest at North central. Baptist Church here in town, and Max Barnett was there, and Pastor Carr had contacted Max to come lead a discipleship thing for his whole church. Well, he said, hey, I got a guy that's on my staff that's from Mayo that wants to come home named Kurt, and so you probably need to talk to him. So we talked to Kurt, and Kurt's like, well, I've got all my fundraising, but yeah, I'd like to come back if it's worked, and so we worked it out with the state for that to happen, and then he joined, and then Kurt recruited Brayson to come and Brayson recruited Peter to come and Peter recruited Stephen to come and Stephen recruited Adam to come and Adam recruited Colin to come and Megan to come and Megan recruited Janet to come and now Megan's recruited the next person to come. So, you know, it's, it's been a legacy that's passed down, uh, without me having to raise a single dollar. I mean, I still don't know how much they all raise and I, I stay out of that by the direction of our state director who says, mm-hmm. don't make that your job, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we love the process. 
but we don't want you to become a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't. I I do my role, and uh, they all serve with us at their pleasure, and they serve with us. They work with us, not for us, is the way we put Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But they voluntarily come under my leadership, which is uh-huh. a, a big, I feel a big responsibility for that um, because they don't have to, they choose to. So I want to be good stewards of that mm-hmm. resources in their time. Yeah. Gotcha. Something you said earlier made me think about, you know, uh, we talk overseas a lot of times, like with businesses, mission specifically, you know, there's like balls people are juggling, uh, you know, your, your, your language cross-cultural, your mission evangelism work, your business work, and usually people can only keep like two balls in the air. That makes sense. What are the major balls that a campus minister is trying to juggle? And would you say there's a limit? Because I feel like some like bringing the staff on or partnering with, you know, like that helps you keep your ball, keep all the balls juggling in the air. And even us, you know, like there's a training piece that that gets done without you having to, to organize it, do it, all that stuff. What are what are kind of the major major balls you're juggling? Well, I think in in our my particular situation might be different from others, but certainly our focus is on supporting the local church. Sure. That's right. right. And so um that's the that's job number one for us is supporting local church. And number two is, you know, building a ministry that reaches the campus. So uh, evangelism, discipleship, all those things come into play with that. Uh-huh. And when you're, I think those are the two balls that, that primarily most of us have to juggle, right? You're, you're trying uh-huh. to, on the one hand, build a solid ministry and build into students and disciple them and lead them. And you're trying to do it through students for our BCMs in the state of Florida. They're all heavily student driven and supposed to be all student driven with staff supported. And so our staff aren't expected to do everything. Our campus ministers aren't expected to do everything, but they are expected to train leadership and disciple them and expand the ministry. And the second thing they're expected to do is to work with their local churches. And so that's those are two big balls that are in the air. And then inside of that one for campus ministry, then there's a bunch of little balls in, inside of that. So <laughs> you've got discipleship and you've got evangelism and you've got missions and you've got teaching leadership skills and developing Bible study leaders and speaking and and working with internationals. And you've got all these things that you see on campus that are needs. And the problem is you only are one human being with a finite number of hours and energy to be able to do that. That's and nice. so there's a lot of what we do here at UF now that we couldn't we couldn't have we could have done but not as well. We were doing all of this not as well as we are now because of the extra help because people can focus on that and that can uh-huh. be their ball that they just have to keep in the air so it's a lot uh-huh. easier when you're just holding one ball up it gets uh-huh. tiring but it's not as tiring as trying to juggle five or six uh-huh. you got to be a master juggler to do that and i think most bcm directors campus ministers who are single ca- single staff people who can do a really good ministry are master jugglers uh-huh. So you've been there for, for 20 years. You have this great ministry. What about somebody, I'm thinking of the guy that's like, he just started, he's at a at a, a ministry. It's not like he's he's stepping into a uh, a ministry that's already going good. 
So like if you were, if we picked you up, all of a sudden God said, all right, you're, you're moving, Eddie. And he dropped you in a situation like that. How would you begin building out that ministry? How would you begin building a, like that heart for the nations, that sending? What would, what would that look like for you? I think first of all, I would go to some local churches and try to find some students that had a heart for reaching the campus. Because okay. nobody reaches students better than students. Uh-oh. And so you got to find some students that are sold out or win a few. If you don't find a few, uh-huh. you, you go and you start sharing the gospel with people and you start telling them about Jesus and you find the ones that are in love with Jesus and you, you foster that. And so you begin to develop a small group. And then it's not rocket science, honestly. It's just following what Jesus did, right? Uh-huh. You, you find a group and you pour into that group. And then you tell them, okay, let's listen, I need you now to be our ambassadors. And so whether that's putting on t-shirts and walking around that says whatever campus ministry name you call it with an E on the end of it, because every cool ministry has an E on the end of it. <laughs> so, you know, you, you put that on there and you walk around with that on, right? But you also have to have something to draw them to. And so I think you have to decide what it is as a campus minister that you do well. Right. So if you are an incredible relator of people, then your ministry is going to look like a one ginormous relationship right. and you're going to be able to relate to those kids and you're going to be able to get them to buy in to relating to one another the same way that you relate to them. And if you're right. gifted and skilled in teaching, then the teaching time is going to be the, the bigger thing and that's going to become the draw. So whatever it is, it's going to become a draw that then has to fill in all those other places, but you need to play to your strength whatever that strength is and not try to do everything right away. Just try to do one thing really well and Mm -hmm. lean on your church just to fill in the areas where you're deficient or where your skills may not be as strong. So if there's already a strong church that's got a discipleship program going, then you tap into that. If there's already a missions program that's sending, you tap into that and you start putting your students, a couple of student leaders in with their team. And you're like, when you come back next year, we want you, to take a team alongside of them or a second team to that. Okay. So you start building slowly and getting leaders that you build, and then you get to a critical mass in different campuses. The critical mass may be a different number, but you know it when you reach it, because then, then you can sort of, that can go on. The ministry keeps going and self-fulfilling itself and reaching new people and teaching them the culture and calling other students to missions. And so you don't have to do that as much. So you can look and say, okay, now what else do we need to do? And so that ball is going on its own. And then you just sort of step over into another lane and start something else to get going and basically replicate that again by creating leaders who catch a vision and who share that same passion and you turn it over to them and it becomes their thing that they do. And then you hope and pray that every generation you can find people and God gives you people that shares that passion. And when he does it, you just let it go. And you say, okay, God, if we don't have somebody to do that, then we don't need to be doing that. You're going to provide who we need in leadership places for all the things you want to accomplish on our campus. And so you just sort of look and say, okay, God, who are those people and what do they really want to do? So we try not to create, we, we probably haven't done this as well lately because we just got such a big pool to pull from. But when it wasn't, there were times when we would not have certain positions on our leadership team because we didn't have somebody that applied. We're just like, uh, okay, we're not having them, right? We're, uh-huh. we're not like we haven't done intramurals in the last, I don't know, three or four years because we just haven't had anybody that says, "Hey, I want to do that." 
Okay, well, we're not going to push that rock up the hill because that doesn't uh-huh. help us. I mean, yeah, it's another opportunity to reach law students, but it's not it's not the only way. And so if you've got a passion to reach them by organizing an ultimate Frisbee night, that's as good as playing intramural Frisbee with somebody, right? So <laughs> you just sort of have to learn to live within the means that God gives you, whether that's finances or resources or people, and schedule and tailor your ministry around who God gives you rather than saying, God, this is what I'm going to do. And um, even if you don't give me the right people, I'm going to force them into those roles. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good word. What when you say a campus minister needs to lean into their strengths? You, just you personally, what are you? What are your strengths? What's what is that for you? <laughs> uh, I think my strengths are, are are two. I think they're two, and and I'm I'm I could be highly biased by this and completely wrong, but I think communicating with students in a large group. Mm-hmm is one of my strengths. And I think the second strength is developing leaders and, and finding ways to really, to tap into their gifts and their strengths and putting them in the right place and, and helping them flourish and grow and then help them help others flourish and grow. Grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Peter, Peter can either shake his head. Yes or no. No. (laughs) Yeah. You know, to pipe up for this conversation for the first time, maybe not, podcast best practices but yeah it seems to me like the uniqueness of our leadership structure at the staff level could only come from someone whose specific gifting is dealing with with leadership development I think I think that wasn't accidental and I think if a model like this ever takes hold you know elsewhere in the state or even beyond I think it's largely credited to the fact that I think you are really gifted when it comes to helping leaders develop in their own way and their own niche, which I think is such an important critical part of, of the leadership development thing. And so wherever people go, I think that come out of this ministry, if they've done due diligence to actually serve and be developed as a leader, they'll be qualified to lead wherever that is in whatever sector, whatever job, whatever industry. Kind of puts you on the spot. Makes you have to brag about yourself, but we'll let Peter, we'll let Peter do that. It's all right. It, your strengths are your strengths and your weaknesses are your weaknesses. Uh, they just who yeah. you are and God has done that. I have not. So I'll brag on him, not me. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up today uh, with Eddie. That was great. What'd you think of it, Peter? Hey, I thought that was really good. Really appreciate Eddie's insights, especially just to think about how many different things the campus minister is juggling and talking about on the campus. Gives me a lot of respect for our campus ministers and, and pastor friends. Um, I'm also just looking forward to the next time we get to sit down with Eddie. I know that that's coming soon. You know, on the next one, we're going to talk with him about uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, which is evangelism on campus and how you go about sharing the gospel. And as well as maybe kind of how he's thinking about the future. And we're going to talk with him about how he talks with parents about missions. I think you'll find that a very a very salient viewpoint that he has on that. So we appreciate you guys and we'll see you next time on the One Link Podcast. Take care. Bye.